Hi, Charlie. Good morning. So, uh, Sunday morning, I got a text from a friend, and it said, uh, Psalm 77 is charting my course on this tearful morning. Perhaps it will chart yours too, and if not this morning, then perhaps on another morning. And I have been sitting in this psalm all week and wanted to share it with you. Um, let's take a moment uh, before I read Psalm 77. Um, God desires for us to hear uh, what he has to say to us, and he has things to say to us. So let's just spend uh, a moment quietly, and will you ask God to please speak to you, to uh, share with you what your heart needs to hear uh, right now, this morning, what kernels might need to be tucked away for another rainy day, perhaps a day where you find some tears in your eyes as well. Let us ask him to be gracious to us in this way. Father, we thank you that you delight to speak to us. We thank you that um, by your spirit we might hear you with clear ears. And I ask, Father, that you would do that now. Speak to us through the reading of your word and through teaching. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Psalm 77. <coughs> cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing, and I was too, too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated, and my spirit asked, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? And then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God. You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen, you led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. That's the word of the Lord. So, 
anytime you come upon something in Scripture that stands out as a true outlier, like this psalm does, it's good to prick your ears up and listen. The entire book of Psalms is primarily a call to come to the Lord in prayer. When you're struggling, when you're hurting, when you're rejoicing, when things are good and when things are bad, come to the Lord in prayer. But here in Psalm 77, we find a psalm that's totally different, right? Hear these words again and think about this. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. There are situations and circumstances in life that can be so hard and circumstances and pains that are so dire that even prolonged, earnest prayer, even the assurance of our prayers being heard, even thoughts centered on God don't help. Where in fact, remembering God, like the psalmist says, I remembered you and my spirit groaned. I meditated and my spirit grew faint. Where remembering God instead of bringing comfort brings groaning when meditating on God actually weakens my spirit instead of strengthening it. When that happens, it is wise for us to listen up, right? Because this is going to be most of our lot at some point where we will feel so dire and so desperate and so far from the promises of God that even when we go to him in prayer, when we try to think about God, it doesn't work. So what does the psalmist do? Psalmist moves from trying to think about God into recalling personal experience. He says, you kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. Those friends are sleepless nights. I don't know if any of you have ever had cause to have these kinds of sleepless nights, but you wake up at two, three, four in the morning and your heart is so heavy that you can't go back to sleep. You want relief, you want to pray, you want God to take whatever it is that's there and take it away from you that you might simply be able to close your eyes and go back to sleep, but you can't do it. So the psalmist says, so what I did was, thinking about God, God didn't work. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful and think about the former days, years of long ago. I'm going to remember my songs in the night. I'm going to remember the times when I was actually joyful, the times where God seemed to be blessing me, the times where when I would wake up in the night, perhaps it was because of a good dream and I could roll back over and go to sleep. Maybe it's one of those nights where you wake up and you think it's like two minutes before your alarm clock's about to go off and you look at your alarm, you actually have three hours more to sleep. And I see everybody nodding because that is universal joy. Um, but then the psalmist says, I remembered my songs in the night. I remembered that good time and I meditated on it. My heart meditated on that good. But here's what came of it. Not relief. It came these questions of the heart. Will the Lord reject me? forever? Is he rejecting me now? Am I unfavored now? Am I unloved? Have God's promises failed? Has he forgotten his mercy? Is he punishing me? So he meditates on his experience, 
And instead, all that happens is his heart is full of these deep, brooding, hard questions. He has no answer based on his experience, as good as God may have been. And that, I think, is the nature of our experience. Even the best experience, the times where we are deepest and most blessed by God. When we rely solely on experience for our view and our doctrine of God, ultimately our own experience is always going to be doubtable. When held by itself, there can always be these kernels and cracks of doubt in what was the heart and the cause of our experience. So we have to acknowledge, and he does, that his experience is not strong or secure enough to be the final say in hope that God will bring him out of his suffering. But then slowly, miraculously, God does something in his heart. And Psalmist says, I thought about God, and then I thought about my experience, and neither brought relief. And then the Lord brings this to him. And then I thought, to this I will appeal. The years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I'll consider all your works and meditate on your mighty deeds. Instead of musing on my own experience, instead of musing on, on God, I'm now going to think about the actual deeds of God. And I don't think that this is a logical move, right? This is not a, a person who is sitting in a study thinking through, well, I've thought about God, I've thought about my own actions, and now I'm going to like, think back to his deed. I think this is a heart of desperation that the Lord is being gracious to, and the Lord is bringing to mind think about the things that I have done, my mighty deeds in history, the way that I have worked my hand and worked my providence throughout the real world. And hear what he says. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. And here he's saying, Lord, I know that you're the God of miracles because you've delivered my people and my people experienced deliverance at your hand. When we look back, the whole story, just saying those words, goes and comes into picture. The exodus, God delivering from Pharaoh, the people coming out of slavery in Egypt, being provided for in the desert with manna, the very presence of God on Sinai and leading his people eventually into the promised land. Okay, Lord, I'm going to think on that, you are a God who has delivered your people of whom I am one. And then he goes back even further and he moves through salvation history and look how he does this. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. Uh, the heavens resounded with thunder and he's talking about creation. God, you are our creator, God. You're the one who flung the stars into the sky. You're the one who created and formed the earth, the one who brought the waters upon the earth, who brought the land, who filled it with all of creation. You created the world, and you are rightly to be remembered and to be praised. And you start to see what's happening. As he's thinking about the actions and the deeds and the works of God, it's a perspective fixer. His perspective is starting to shift, and he's starting to remember who it is that he's calling out to. And then the second part, um, your arrows flashed back and forth, your thunder was heard in the whirlwind, 
Your lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and quaked. And I think what we have here is actually not more of creation. I think this is God coming in judgment in the Garden of Eden. You have a picture of God in creation, and now you have a holy God at judgment. The scripture says, your arrows flashed back and forth, your thunder was heard in the whirlwind, you're lighting up, your lightning lit up the world, the earth trembled and quaked. Uh, when you look at Genesis uh, chapter three, 2 and 3, and you see God coming, it says that they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And when you come back and you pull that apart and you look at the, the grammatical places um, where that, that is in line with some of the Akkadian, I think you have a very different picture of what's happening here. I think it should read, you hear the thunder of the Lord God as he was going back and forth in the wind of the storm. You have God coming in judgment upon his people that he loved but who were disobedient. And he cast them out in holiness. So you have this picture of creation. You have this picture of judgment in holiness. And then he finishes up, your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters. And now he's delivering his people, Israel. He's delivering them through the Red Sea. And the psalmist says, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. They saw the direction, they knew the path, but they couldn't see the exact footprints. They didn't know exactly where God was leading them, but they knew that it was God who was leading them. So we think about us and where we are as Christians, what we can look back to, right? And I think we might be tempted to say, well, now that we look back on the works of Christ, we can see clearly the footprints that we have, but I don't think that's the point here. I think that what's happening and what we should be able to do is we should be able to look back and see the mighty acts of God more fully and clearly than in all of history, perfect revelation in the person of Jesus, so that when we can't see the footprints before us, our confidence is even surer. We're not always going to know the exact footprints and how and why God is leading us. We're not going to know why we're suffering. We're not going to know why the grief, but we can look back to our gracious God in Christ and see his love for us, see his care for us, see his character before us, know what he did for us, see his mighty deeds, and then be even surer and even more confident in the one that we are crying out to. So I want to just reflect on two things with this. First, it might seem odd that reflecting on God was not enough, but meditating on his actions is. And I think what Scripture is getting at here is an important point. If you think of God, it can be very easy to miss God. If you think of God and you think God is omniscient and omnipotent, God is ever-present and all-powerful, God is gracious and kind and merciful, and you believe those things deep in your heart. It's very different because that's like a 30,000-foot view, an almost removed view. But when you start to think about a person's actions, when you start to think about the actions of God, now you see all of those characteristics put into action, and they become even more clear. You see the motives. It's one thing to say, God is loving. It's a whole other thing to see him, how he reacts when somebody comes and says, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. You see the motive of his heart. You see the tenderness in his action. You see the love in his words. 
when you talk about God, it's very different than when you talk about the actions of God because now you're seeing God in action and his motives, his, his characteristics actually become more clear. So I think that's why initially trying to reflect on God was, was not working for the psalmist. He needed to see the heart and the motive and the tenderness behind God in the actual action of God. And then second, and I was reflecting on this, I was asking myself, how effective is this really? I've been trying it. And here's something that I've kind of come to think about. If you're going to find solace and comfort by reflecting on the actions and activity of God in the world, because when you focus on those things, it reveals his character and it reveals who he is even more clearly. It's really important that you actually know the God that you're calling out to. It's been making me think of this difference between being a Christian and being a disciple. Dallas Willard writes about this uh, really eloquently and really beautifully. But all disciples of Jesus are Christians but not all Christians choose to be disciples. Not all Christians look at Jesus and are so overwhelmed and so overcome with his beauty and his wisdom, his kindness, his love, and his power that they decide to be apprentices. They want to spend time with him and get to know him that they might in turn become like him. And if you don't apprentice with Jesus and spend time with him and want to become like him and know him, then when you remember the acts that he does, there is going to be a disconnect. The best example I could think of with this was um, my friend Nate Toby. So in 2012, Nate and friend Kurt and I, we hit that photo. I'll show you a photo of Nate. Okay, Nate's on the right. Uh, that's me on the left, Kurt's in the middle. We're in Alaska. Maybe just a small flex, right? I'm allowed these kinds of things. Uh, no, so we're king, we're king salmon fishing here. Uh, Nate's on the right, you can kill it. Nate, Nate grew up in Alaska. So he was kind of our tour guide for this trip that we took through um, this, this massive portion uh, of Alaska. And one day, we're gonna go fish for grayling. Um, and we end up at an outpost where there are just a few people and they take us in this uh, jet boat up to the top of a stream, put us in a canoe, and we canoe down this stream. And the thing is, when you get to the end of this very gentle stream, there's a full-on river that we had to maneuver into in a canoe and come down the river about a mile to get back to this outpost. Well, that river um, and the stream at the end, um, these are all glacial rivers. So the bottom is ice. So you can't just, you, when you're coming down this stream, you can't just easily glide into the river and go. There are ice uh, ridges along the bottom of the water. So you end up doing this, and then like a right-hand turn to go down into the river. Well, Nate grew up there, and Nate's like, yeah, the only thing we don't, we just have to make sure that the canoe doesn't tip, because if the canoe tips, probably not gonna make it out 
Um, hypothermia sets in really quickly. He said, if we do tip, just hold on to the canoe, and when we pass by the outpost, we'll scream really loud and hope that they hear us and come and rescue us. That's not good for me. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. I had spent the entire week with Nate in the outback of Alaska. Um, I had watched how he interacted with bear prints. He had his bear gun. He knew the land so well. He told us exactly what to do and what not to do. At times when Nate would say, guys, pull in close. We would pull in close because he knew there was a high likelihood there was a grizzly near. He knew the land and he knew what to do and he'd been on this river before. So I trusted him. I was scared to death, but I trusted him. So when we came down that river and we hit ice, which we did, I thought for sure we're going over. But, I, but Nate knows what to do, Nate knows what to do. And he did, he got us through, we came down, it was, it was lovely. If I told you simply, hey, Nate's really good, you might believe me, right? You might be willing to get in that canoe with him, but I guarantee you if you'd spent a week with him in Alaska, watching how he interacted and how he knew exactly what he was doing, you would have gotten in the canoe with a whole lot more confidence. And that's what I'm talking about. You have to know the one to whom you are calling out. And this is the stuff of real life. This is kingdom stuff. Because I guarantee that each and every one of us in this room at one time or another will be so overcome with hard things that are so dire that you will think the gap between God's promises and my reality is perhaps insurmountable. And you will hopefully remember, but I can think back on the mighty deeds of our God who created the world, who by his mighty hand delivered Egypt, who came to earth enfleshed, who lived a perfect sinless life and died on a cross in our place, who rose from the grave conquering our sin and conquering death, who sent his powerful Holy Spirit to indwell us that we might actually be his church, his co-laborers in his kingdom. And when you think on those things and you know the one because you have spent time with him and you have sought to become like him, you will not despair because you can actually have hope. You can read things like Lamentations that say, no one is cast off by the Lord forever. He may bring grief, but he will show compassion. We look upon Jesus Christ, and when we know Jesus Christ, we do not ever have to despair. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us to remember your mighty deeds, that we might see your character more clearly. And Lord, when those circumstances hit us in the face, and when they bring us to sleepless nights, Will you help us remember, Lord, to think back on your mighty deeds, your mighty deeds that are bathed in kindness and love for your people, that we might not despair. Be with us this day, we ask in Christ's name. Amen.